I'm speaking today on a topic called all-terrain discipleship. You've probably heard of an all-terrain vehicle. Anybody heard of those? Okay. They're vehicles that can travel on most terrains. They can, cars are designed to travel on streets, paved streets. But all-terrain vehicles can go off the road and travel on all types of terrain, uphill, through mud, through sand. And throughout our lives, we experience all kinds of terrain. I'm not talking about now just you driving around. I'm talking about you going through life. As you go through life, there are mountains, there's valleys, there's wilderness, there's dry times, there's, there's floods. Mountains represent high times in the life, and valleys represent low times, and, and deserts represent dry times, and, and floods represent times when we are overwhelmed. But all-terrain discipleship means that God has empowered us. Listen, God has and will empower us to walk on all of these types of terrain, to make it through, to make it over, to make it through all these types of terrain. And it means that there's something we can learn from all of these terrains that will help us grow spiritually. For instance, think about mountains. Mountains are very significant in the Bible. Many awesome things happened on mountains in the Bible. Moses received the Ten Commandments on a mountain, Mount Sinai. Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Jesus preached a a famous sermon. People believe the greatest sermon ever preached called the Sermon on the Mount. By the way, that's a mountain outside of Capernaum on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee in Israel. It's now called the Mount of Beatitudes. That wasn't the original name, but that's what it's known as because that's where Jesus preached this sermon. And I just want to remind you again that we are going to um, Israel next year, uh, September of 2023. And we will be going to places like the Sea of Galilee and Capernaum and Jerusalem and the Mount of Beatitudes. And uh, just we're going to be making an official announcement soon and having a meeting and sharing all that with you. But I just want to, to get that out there again and get you prepared. You've got a whole year to save up and to get ready to go. If you've ever wanted to go to Israel, it's, it's an awesome time we've been. And it's, we've been around the world, and it's the most awesome place uh, we ever traveled to. But Mount of Beatitudes is one of those places we're going to. Mountains can represent many things. One of the things mountains represent are, are the best times in our lives. Mountains are the times of blessing. Mountains are spiritual highs when we, we feel especially close to God. In fact, we usually call these mountaintop experiences. Peter, James, and John experienced a mountaintop experience with Jesus. In Matthew 17, 1 through 9 says, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun. His clothes became white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. And Peter blurted out, don't you love Peter? He's always blurting something out. Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud came over them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly beloved son, dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. Listen to him. In other words, Peter, stop talking. Listen to Jesus. 
And the disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. And Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked, they saw only Jesus. And they went back down the mountain. And several lessons we can see here about mountaintop experiences and mountaintop discipleship. First, you can get a revelation of Jesus on a mountaintop that you won't get anywhere else. In those times, in those times of his presence where you just feel like, like you're just right there with him. He's right there in your room. I mean, you get a revelation from him that, that, that's amazing. And, and because of that, secondly, when you have a mountaintop experience, you want to stay there. You want to build a memorial right there and stay there. Let's just stay in this place. But thirdly, a mountaintop experience sometimes can make you think it's about you rather than Jesus. And Peter's focus got on him like, Lord, it's good for me to be here. It's good for us to be here. But fourthly, what we've got to do is follow the advice of the Father when we're on the mountain. Focus on Jesus, not yourself. Listen to his words, not yours. And then do what he tells you. And Jesus told those disciples, hey, don't tell anybody about this. And he led them right back down the mountain. You see, here's the thing about mountaintop experiences. You always have to come back down to reality. I did a study on mountaintop experiences in the Bible. Almost every mountaintop experience was followed up immediately by a major problem in the valley. In Genesis 22, Abraham, Abraham went up Mount Moriah where he passed a major test of his faith in God. And God provided a lamb in place of his son. But he came back down from that mountain and had to face the death of his wife Sarah. In Exodus, Moses went up on Mount Sinai, met with God face to face. Was given, God was giving him the Ten Commandments. But when he came back down the mountain, he had to deal with people worshiping idols. In 1 Kings 18, Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel by calling down fire from heaven. But when he came back down, he had to face the threats of Queen Jezebel who was out to kill him. He became afraid and de depressed and ran for his life. In the passage we read from Matthew 17, the disciples saw Jesus in all his glory, and they saw Moses, and they saw Elijah. What an experience. Yet Jesus said, we need to go back down this mountain. And immediately when they got down to the bottom of that mountain, they had to deal with a demon-possessed boy. The point I want you to see in all these situations is that spiritual highs are sometimes followed by spiritual lows or by tough times or, or tough or times, listen, that require us to give out rather than take in. And as a result, most people want to stay on the mountains. It's easier up there. God's glory is, is obvious there. God's glory is everywhere. But when you're on that mountaintop high, I mean, it's real easy to see. But, and so that's, that's because, so as a result of that, when Jesus said it's time to come down off what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, where he was transfigured in front of them, they begged Jesus to stay up there. Let's, let's hang out on this mountain. Let's build some temples. Let's build some shelters. Let's hang out in this glory. All the supernatural power of God and the glory of God are on the mountaintop. We, we, we can hear God's voice. We heard God's voice speaking to us audibly on this mountaintop. Ordinary life and death are back down on, in the valley. We want to stay up on this mountain. But let's talk about valleys for a minute. 
God's presence is on the mountaintop. People are in the valley. Sinful people, needy people, demon-possessed people. And we cannot stay on the mountaintop because there are people in the valley who are sinning or sick or, or, or demonized, and they need the power and glory of God that we've experienced. They're not coming to the mountain. we got to take the mountain to them. Moses, I told you, he's an example of this. He was on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments, and God tells him in the middle of receiving all the, the commands of God, God says, go down from here at once because the people have become corrupt, and God needed him to go down into the valley below. And as soon as Moses got down the mountain, he encounters the idolatry of the people. His very own brother, Aaron, who's the high priest, lied to him because there was this golden calf that the people made, and, and Aaron said, well, we just threw some gold in the fire, and this calf came out. And they worshipped it, the one that they made with their own hands. But Moses had to intercede for those idolatrous people in that valley. He had to come off the mountain with God, get into that valley, intercede and pray and do warfare of those people. And he destroyed the golden calf. He had to leave that mountaintop because there was work in the valley. And we've got to leave the mountaintop times and get into the valley with people who need the power and presence of God in their lives. In that valley, we find lost and hurting people and people who need us to share Jesus with them. Jesus wants us in the valley so we can preach good news to the poor, proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, and to release those who are oppressed. Now, I know battles happen in the valley. In 1 Samuel 17, David faced the giant Goliath in the valley of Elah. In Ezekiel 37, 1, Anthony talked about it, gave a word on it today. The Lord said Ezekiel, Ezekiel in the middle of a valley of dry bones. In Hosea 2.15, the valley of Achor means the valley of trouble. In Psalm 84, 6 through 7, the valley of Baca means the valley of tears. So obviously, valleys can be difficult places of troubles and tears and tests, but there is victory in the valley. In the valley of Elah, that's where David defeated Goliath. Ezekiel prophesied life over those dry bones in the valley, uh, 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 in that valley, and the dry bones came to life, and a great army rose up in the, and in the valley of Achor, which is a valley of trouble, it became, the Bible says, a door of hope. Right in the middle of your trouble, God can give you a door of hope. The valley of Baca, or the valley of tears, became a place of springs. I, I want you to see that, the, that, that God can work in those valleys and totally transform them and totally transformed you. And then he wants to use you to meet the needs of those people in the valley. When Jesus brought his disciples down from the mountain, Matthew 17, 14 through 20 says, there was a man with a demon-possessed son who said to Jesus, he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. And Jesus replied, you unbelieving and rebellious generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and from that moment the boy was healed. Then the disciples approached Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we drive it out? 
Because of your little faith, he told them. For I assure you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. You see, the disciples had to learn that there, there's two types of mountains in life. There are mountains we climb, mountains where we climb and we experience the glory and the presence and the joy of the Lord on the mountaintop. But there's also some mountains we must move. Some you climb, some you move. Mark eleven twenty three says, For assuredly I say to you, Je- Jesus is saying this, whoever says to this mountain, it's a, it's a mountain in your life, it's a mountain that's in your way, it's a work of the enemy that's, that's in your way to keep you from pursuing your destiny or the plan of God for your li- life, you've got to say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. And if he does not doubt in his heart, he believes those things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, Jesus says, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Mountains, some mountains need to be climbed, but some mountains may need to be moved. And those, move, those mountains may be unexpected delay or, or prayers that don't seem like they're getting answered or unpleasant situations you're going through. On the mountaintop, it's easy. On the mountaintop, it's easy to tell light from dark. It's easy to understand God's purpose. But when we're moving mountains, it's harder to see clearly. So we got to walk in what we know rather than what we see. We've got to walk by faith, not by sight. And we've got to remember in the valley, we've got to remember in the valley what we heard on the mountain. When we're moving mountains, we've got to rehearse our mountaintop victories. Life, listen, life's all about mountain climbing and mountain moving. All of your life, there will be mountains to climb and mountains to move. It's always going to be there. I love Caleb. Uh, one of the, he was the friend of Joshua. They were the only two of the old generation that got into their promised land. He was 80-something years old when he got into the promised land. And his first words were, give me that mountain. I'm speaking to some people who might think, I'm too old, but life is over. It's already passed for me. Listen, there's always another mountain to climb. There's always another mountain to move. And moving mountains is when our, our, our talk turns into our, our walk. It represents challenging times of testing, times of growth. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, Whenever you face trials of many kinds. Does that describe you? Think about it. Trials of many kinds. Count it all, all of it, joy. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I've told you before, and I'll tell you again, the word persevere, per, the prefix per means through. It means through the severe. Go through the severe. Don't let the severe cause you to quit. Don't let the severe time cause you to give up. Don't let the severe time cause you to turn back. Don't let the severe time uh, uh, interfere with what God wants to do in your life. Persevere means you, you go through it. And perseverance does something in your life. As you're waiting, as you're working, as you're walking through it, you, you grow and you become mature and complete. And then we can have 
The joy of the Lord, knowing that God is taking us to a new level. We have joy because we know God is going to give us victory. We have joy because we know God is maturing us. He's growing us in our faith. Have you ever noticed you can be walking down the road of life and everything's fine until all of a sudden you hit an unexpected bump on the road? And that bump in the road causes something inside you to spill out. Kind of like you got a full drink in your car and sitting in your cup holder there and it's a little bit too full and you hit a bump and it spills over. But that can happen to you. Something spills out of you. And usually it's not pretty. <laughs> you can get mad at that bump in the road all you want to. But that bump in the road just did you a, a good service. Because it wasn't the bump in the road that caused your inner, that created your inner character. The bump revealed the inner character. It revealed what was inside of you. What's inside of you wasn't created by the problems. The problems only reveal the true nature and the true character of what's already inside of you. And that's the very reason these disciples had to come off the mountaintop. You see, it doesn't take a lot of faith to be on the mountaintop. It's when you descend into the valley that you've got to put your faith into action. So Jesus had to cast a demon out, and the disciples had to face their lack of faith. That was one of those bumps in a row for them. Whoa, whoa. I mean, that was more than a bump. That was like they ran into a brick wall. Why couldn't we do this? They had to address their, their, their lack of faith. One moment they're on the mountaintop experiencing God's glory, and the next they're in a valley dealing with demons. But listen, both of those situations are necessary in our lives. And we've got to learn how to go up the mountain and, and be in the presence of Jesus, and we've got to know how to come back down the mountain and take that mountain to the people in the valley and how to move mountains in people's lives to set them free. It's true in our spiritual lives and in our daily lives. Listen, you can experience the high of getting married and going on a honeymoon, but when you get back from Jamaica or wherever you went, <laughs> you're coming off a mountain. And you've got to learn how to work through daily life. And you're going to be thinking pretty quick, we need to go back to Jamaica. <laughs> no, that ain't reality. You've got to do it here in Grand Prairie, Arlington, Mansfield, wherever you live. You can experience the high of graduating from school, but then you've got to come down off a mountain and guess what? Get a job! <laughs> now listen to me real closely. Learning how to come down a mountain is very important. Mount Everest is the highest mountain on earth. It's over 29,000 feet high. Over 6,000 people have climbed Mount Everest. And over 300 people have died trying. And many of their bodies are still on that mountain. Couldn't get them down. Here's the amazing thing. Most of those people that died on the mountain died descending the mountain, not climbing it. Eighty-something percent of them died coming down, not going up. 
And scientists believe is people have the motivation to get to the top. They're excited to get to the top. Now they've accomplished it. They're at the top. Now they're tired. The air is thin. Walking down a hill is sometimes harder than going up, if you've noticed that. And they run out of energy. And some of them make the mistake of sitting down and refusing to move. I just need to rest here for a minute. I need to lie down here. Resting seems the right thing to do when you're tired. But in that situation, it becomes the sleep of death. I was in the music business for many, many years, and I had to deal with artists who, who were started at nothing, became huge, played arenas and concerts, huge concerts around the world, and then over time their career began to wane. No more hit records, no more hit songs, and, and now they're coming back down the mountain, and, and, and the arenas go to convention center size, to smaller arenas, to, to back to small churches where they're playing. It's harder coming down than going up. And there's a spiritual application to this. You've got to be extra careful coming off a spiritual high. Sometimes the, the highs are so high and the lows are so hard that there's something in us that just wants to hang on to the highs. But let me ask you, is it possible to stay there? No, it's not. You can't stay on Mount Everest. You can't stay on the top. And if you read the Bible, you'll find that the Bible is a, is a parade of highs and lows, one right after the other. Here's some examples. Daniel was very blessed by his faithfulness to God. That's a high. But because of his faithfulness to God, he was thrown into a den of hungry lions. That was a low. But the lions didn't eat him. That was a high. Jonah ran away from God. That was a low. He was swallowed up by a great fish. That was a low. The fish vomits him up on dry ground. Is that a high or a low? It's a high. I mean, there's only two ways to come out of a fish, and he came out the right way. <laughs> you go to the New Testament. You see even Jesus at the moment of his baptism. He heard his Father's voice. I mean, the heavens were open. The Holy Spirit came on him. The Father spoke, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. That was a high. What happened immediately after that? He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, into the desert. By the Spirit! To be tested by the devil for 40 days. Led by the Spirit to be tested. Sometimes you can be following the Spirit, following the voice of God, and get out into a dry desert where the enemy attacks you. And that, that seems to be a low. But guess what? Jesus overcame every attack of the enemy. And that was a high. Think about deserts. We've got to learn how to become like Christ when he was in a desert, in a dry time, in the hungry time, in the times when the enemy attacks. We've got to look at how Jesus got through that desert time. How did he win the battle? He won it by speaking the word of God. And we overcome in the desert exactly the same way, by speaking the word of God against the enemy. Think about floods, times when you're overwhelmed. It happened to the disciples when Jesus told them, We're gonna, I want you to cross the Sea of Galilee in, in a boat. And a storm arose, and their boat was being flooded. And Luke 8, 22 says, As they sailed, he fell asleep. 
A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. And the disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up, rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. And then he asked, where is your faith? And in fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? They got a revelation. You can get a revelation in all terrain. They got a revelation here of in the storm, in the flood. He commands even the wind and water, and they obey him. And when Jesus asked, where is your faith? Some people say he meant, why didn't you calm the storm? And I think that could be an application. But I think this is true also. His concern was they did not trust him and his word when he told them, get in this boat and go across the lake. That was the word of the Lord, right? Jesus, listen, they didn't trust that. They didn't believe that because they got in the middle of the lake and got scared because the storm came up. Jesus, they had to wake him up. He wasn't bothered, sleeping right through it. He knew his destiny. Jesus knew his destiny. He knew when and where he was going to die. He knew his destiny was to die on a cross, not drowned in a lake. He had told them that several times. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to rise again in three days. They get out in the middle of a lake. He's sleeping and they think, we're all going to die. No, you're not. If Jesus tells you to go across this lake, I don't care what comes against you. If Jesus is in the boat, make sure Jesus is in the boat. <laughs> That's number one. And if Jesus is in the boat, you're going to get to the other side. You're not going to get out in the middle of it and drown. So if Jesus tells you to go somewhere and the storms come up, keep on rowing. Keep on rowing. Keep on trusting him. If Jesus said you're going to the other side, guess what? You're going to the other side. And in all the times that we, the terrain that we traverse in life, they're all there to help us become like Christ because he traveled the same terrain. And because he stayed faithful in all those times, we can stay faithful and we can learn to become like him. And when you boil it right down to it, all our, our character is developed through our obedience and our trust in God through those difficult times. We've got to trust God when we're on the mountain, trust him when we're in the valley. Trust Him when we're dry, dry in the desert. Trust Him when it seems like we're going to be overwhelmed. God is going to be with you in all those terrains. He'll be with you in the valley just as much as He's with you on the mountain. Listen, in fact, most miracles happen in the valley, not on the mountain. And when you're in a desert or a flood, his word will deliver you. God is right there with you in all those times. So today, whether you're moving a mountain or climbing a mountain, whether you're on a mountaintop praising God or in a valley fighting demons, whether you're in a dry wilderness or in an overwhelming flood, we have the promise of God that no matter what the terrain is, Isaiah 43, 18 through 21 says, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive? 
receive it. I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen. Listen, the people I have formed for myself. Why? That they may proclaim my praise. God created you. God shows you that you might proclaim the praises of God in all terrain that, that you go through in life. So what terrain are you currently traveling through? God's going to be with you in all of those terrains. He won't leave you when you're on the mountain, when you're on a valley, when you're in a flood, when you're in a desert. He's the God of the mountain, the God of the valley, the God of the desert, the God of the floods. And praise, listen, praise is your all-terrain vehicle. This scripture just came to me. I should have had it in there. It just came to me out of Habakkuk. It says, though the fig tree does not blossom, though there's no cattle in the stall. I mean, I mean, he's talking about total economic collapse. Gasoline becomes $75 a pint. Yet, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord my God and he'll make my feet like hinds feet, like deer feet, to, to climb over those high places in the name of Jesus and in the power of God. Praise, yet I will rejoice. Yet I will rejoice. Praise is your all-terrain vehicle. So if you're on a mountain, praise God and hear his word. If you're in a valley, praise God and build your faith. If you're in a flood, praise God and see his deliverance. If you're in a desert, praise him and watch him make a way through the wilderness. Praise him and watch him create a river in the wasteland. Come on, somebody. Rejoice in all terrain. Pray in all terrain. Give thanks in all terrain. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you in the name of Jesus. Praise him. Come on. Whatever you're in right now. What's, whatever you're in right now, I want you to just take a minute here. Come on, get this thing rumbling. Oh, just, uh, just take a minute here. If you're on a mountain, praise Him. If you're in a valley, praise Him. If you're in a desert dry time, praise Him. If you're feeling overwhelmed, like you're being flooded, praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Come on. Praise Him like you mean it. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. 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 We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. Come on. Keep going for a minute. Come on. Come on. Yeah. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. So what's God saying to you? 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 Come on. God's saying something to you today. Think about it. What's he want you to do when you leave this place, to do when you leave today? What's he wanting you to do every day of the week when you leave here? God, I pray in the name of Jesus. Well, that the word that has gone forth today will not return void but will accomplish your purpose in every single life. For those on a mountain, for those in a valley, for those in a dry time, for those in a flood, God, you've got a purpose. You've got a plan. Let faith rise up in our hearts. 
Let praise come out of our mouths. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask our prayer, prayer team to come down. These are people of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, who would love to pray for you, no matter what season of life you're in, no matter what terrain you're going through. We'd love to pray with you. Whatever your need may be, or you might need to pray for somebody else. If you don't know Jesus, today's a day of salvation. You need Jesus in your boat. If you're not sure he's in your boat, you need to get saved today. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. If you need any other things in your life, we want to pray with you and see the hand of God move. Thank you so much. We're going to sing one more song, and then we'll be dismissed. <laughs>